consistent self-improvement everybody you are now listening to american gypsy podcast i am your host classic and i'm here with my co-host gypsy and today we have rodney perry he is the host of simply king podcast the soulfully conscious podcast for humans simply being humans welcome to the show rodney welcome it's a pleasure having you thanks thanks for having me thanks for having me i'm so glad to find you guys y'all seem like a real cool real cool calm collected you know uh podcasters you know so i was like yeah i want to get on here because I, I i haven't guessed it on too many so i was like let me put myself out there more you know okay well you know we're glad that. you reached out to us and yeah we try to keep it you know it's relaxed and you know positive inspirational educational you know motivational all of those so tell us a little bit about yourself. Where you, you know, where you from? Where were you born? And you know, uh, well, I'm uh, originally from Jackson, Tennessee, small town, uh, okay. right in between Memphis and Nashville. Um, I attended uh, Clark Atlanta University, getting my degree in business administration with a concentration in marketing. And after graduating, I actually moved up here to Chicago, which I've been, um, which I've been going on almost seven years, and um, currently. I've been podcasting just about that same amount of time. Okay. Uh, you know, my podcast will be seven years, yeah, seven years in August of uh, this year. Wow. And um, Congratulations. it's been great. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's been great. It's been um majority of the podcast I was doing, you know, while uh, fully employed with uh, several different corporate entities. And last year was, uh, was a year that I kind of really just bet on myself more than anything. Uh, and went full fledged into my um to my own company and actually started my own company uh called Life is King, which is a creative production as well as digital marketing company where I just, you know, assist small businesses, uh entrepreneurs and content creators really just have a better digital presence and communicate their message uh online a little bit better. And um it's been great. It's been a lot of a lot of lessons. A lot of lessons and I always say a lot of lessons, a lot of blessings. Because it's it's true it's truly a um it's not it's not made for everybody but I think I'm certainly have the uh, the uh, just the mindset for it I think I've always been that way and people have always pushed that on me I remember being in college and people literally shaming me for going to career fairs like why are you here like this isn't this don't seem like something that you're gonna want to do or even stick to so why are you here and I'm like damn like. I'm 19. I might need a job, you know. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking about yeah. it, but literally everybody always seen me as being an entrepreneur uh, for as long as I can remember. No one ever really uh, placed me as a person that would um, be a company company man. And I, I, I've always felt that way about myself. I think I always just chose practicality because it felt uh, so far reaching. Okay. To just okay. you know jump into it and bet on yourself that immediately but you know long answer for for an easy question but that's that's the uh, the nutshell of me understood i'm me i'm from um actually was born in oxford mississippi raised in jackson mississippi so oh man yeah very familiar got plenty of family right there in memphis not too familiar with jackson um tennessee what is it like growing up in jackson tennessee it's um it's it's interesting. It's uh, it's considered like the hub city, so it's basically a um, because it's centered right in between Memphis and Nashville. It's basically that place that has became more known for you know logistics, 
Um, so a lot of truck drivers and things like that is a really big industry when it comes to the, um, Jackson, Tennessee. Uh, there's only there's only two places in the world that are act that actually make Pringles chips, and that's Jackson, Tennessee, and somewhere in Belgium. Okay. And um, yeah, very random fun fact, but yes. Yeah. And so a lot of so that's <laughs> Procter and so Procter and Gamble are the ones who actually uh, produce that, and so a lot of people in town. Um, are employed by them. It's very, very, very much a, a manufacturers or, you know, manufacturer heavy type of place from Martha White, Rising Flowers based in uh, Jackson, Tennessee, and a lot of different, you know, specific things that are kind of, you know, essential to um, like Del Fawcett and all these other things. Like it's very much most people that I knew growing up uh, their parents all more than likely worked in a factory, worked in something where they had to use their hands and and build things or just operate a particular machine. So it's a very uh very slow, very um down home, very simple. Um, a lot of people don't leave or go far. Um, and I think that was immediately my that's how I knew that you know something was different about me because I always was ready to go. I was always down to, to to take a trip, to go travel, um, to just get out, you know, just to get out. And um, and I, I was blessed to have the mother that I had because that was exactly kind of what she wanted me to do anyway. She wanted me to explore. She wanted me to go to school um, out of state if I could just, you know, find a place that made sense for me. And if, you know, and she just invested. She invested in me, um, which I thought was just a beautiful thing. Just, she was like, if I'm going to go in debt for something, I'd rather go in debt for my children's education than anything. And I'm like, all right, mom, I appreciate that. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hold, I'm a hold myself to it. Yeah. Ain't going to waste your money. And, um, and it worked out. It worked out brilliantly. Um, you graduated so from it, your, from a local like, high school in Jackson. I'm sorry to cut you off. You, you graduated from a l- local high school in Jackson. Uh, say it again. Did I graduate? Yeah, in, you graduated um, in your city where you were born, or did you end up moving? Because I know you mentioned you went to school in Atlanta, right? Yeah, like Atlanta. Okay. Yeah, you know, I actually, um, I, I, I graduated. I went throughout all of my, um, uh, I guess, primary schooling in Jackson, Tennessee. Okay. Um, okay. so really, truly born and raised, um, in Tennessee. I didn't leave until I was eighteen, so uh, freshman year. Um, so um, oh yeah, all my all of my years. All my kind of you know formative years were definitely spent in uh, in Jackson, and um, and that small town that small town existence is interesting. I think it's given me a lot of interesting perspective. I've yeah. um, because I've always said that when you don't when you're not from a bigger place, you have so much more imagination. You know because you haven't seen it, you have you don't see it every day. You haven't felt it. You haven't met the people. You don't have that. Um, just that, just that true empirical experience right in front of you to be able to say that, that you know, you know that the possibilities are endless. Um, yeah. You're coming straight from a place of just imagination. Like you just believe that the possibilities are endless. You don't know though, you know, cause you just haven't seen it yet. Um, so like things like TV and movies and comic books uh, is where kind of I got lost in and just knew like there's so much more to life. Um, so I wanted to get out and I knew I had to just be there to be able to see it. And I think for me, it was a lot about, um, trying to make sure that I was a well-rounded person so that I could know how to go wherever I could go and be useful no matter where I went, because I knew that my like quote unquote small town 
life might hold me back. And coincidentally, it actually helped me a lot because people from L.A. I went to school with people from L.A. Some of my um, closest friends are from California. Okay. Um, went to school with people from New York and Chicago and so many other places, so many other metropolitans. And um, for some reason, I still stood out. My perspective still stood out because I didn't have any um, strong, already stood, uh, already understood allegiances to particular ideologies. You know, like if you're from New York, you know how you handle people and how you talk to people is different. Um, so they didn't understand like how why Southerners were so friendly. Um, if you're from Chicago, you you may have a little sense of guardedness and you stay with your group. So being open really might not be something you do so quickly. Um, and yeah, so it was just like real specific things. While for me, I'm just such a, you know, so receptive to everything. It was kind of like, damn, how you how you figuring this out? How you doing this? What What's making you move around and open up to the people? So it was a really interesting thing. Okay. How, do, how did, um, what was your perspective on Atlanta when you first got there for school? We've, we lived in um, Marietta for about seven years. We actually met in Georgia. So we're a little familiar oh, for real? with, this, yeah, with yeah. the area. Yeah. How long were y'all there? Yeah, seven about, years? about seven years. Yeah. yeah. And then we, we moved from Georgia to um, the DMV area, DC, Maryland, Virginia. Moved up to mm-hmm. moved up there for about three years and then we moved to LA. But um, it was maybe 2006, 2007 when we were in uh, Marietta. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Y'all did a whole black, uh, black tour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one really black place to another really black place. It's a lot of black people in LA too, but yeah. yeah. Um, I loved, I loved Atlanta. Atlanta was, um, a wonderland to me the first time I went, I, I went for, um, my aunt who's uh, actually from Chicago. Um, cause Clark Atlanta wasn't even in my radar mm. of places. It was on uh, my radar, but I, I, I didn't qualify. That's one of the things I learned as soon as I got to school. I did a whole, I did everything. I did the essay and all that. For, and I get there and I talk to so many people. I was like, hey, how'd you write your essay to get in? And da da da. I was like, I didn't write no essay. And I'm like, what? You didn't write no essay. <laughs> um, but nevertheless, um, my aunt, my aunt, my aunt Camille was the one who, uh, asked my mom if I could join her and my cousin. We were the same age on his college tour. And um, I went down and uh, my other kind of like, I guess kind of like play aunt was already trying to put Morehouse in my ear. Mm. And um, and I was like, all right, yeah, yeah, I'll go. You know, I heard it's like not too close. It's real close to, you know, Morehouse. So I'll go and maybe check that out too. Or, you know, I had a whole idea of it all because i'm like i don't even know this place so this place might even be that cool in my head right that was my assumption um but then as soon as i got there i loved it i fell in love immediately with the campus the energy it felt like very much like a family um like it just felt like i was gonna be going to school and my teachers and my professors would be like aunts and uncles you know it was real interesting so it was like okay i like this it's real close-knit and um and i just excited because it just felt I felt drawn to um, the overall experience. And even though I think my anxiety of like the just got to make it of it all definitely kind of, you know, sent my, uh, my anxiety everywhere. I think it didn't matter. Cause I was just on a high. I was like, I'm, I'm away from home. Yeah. Can, nothing can beat this. All I gotta do is just keep these grades up and like try my best to, you know, mix it up the, as best as I can. So I can, you know, 
just have the best experience. And I think I did that. I think I had a really great experience. That's good. That's good. So what did you walk away with when you left Atlanta as far as, you know, culture wise, the culture of Atlanta? You know, what what are some of the the, the real tools of Atlanta that you picked up? Because, you know, I've I was um got out of the car. I had some comedian buddies. So I got out yeah. of the car at Uptown Comedy with a camera on my neck. And, you know, a shorty shorty was like, hey, man, you want to take some pictures tonight? You're like, hey. Yeah, help me turn it on, you know. So I understand. <laughs> I understand. You know, there's opportunity in how you know certain things. Even just the energy of Atlanta, and you know, from music wise, I took my biggest cello break there, but I still, you know, made beats and things like that during my little music time. I can't say little music time during my music time there. Yeah, yeah. Don't put but, the little in it. Yeah, yeah. I can't put the little in it. So, you know. I walked away with a lot, you know. Yeah, no. What, what, I, yeah, I, I, what are some of the things that, that helped you in your transition to Chicago? You went to Chicago right after Atlanta? Yeah, right after. Yeah. Right after. Uh, yeah, I was 22. I was 22. And um, for me, for me, honestly, the biggest thing that I got from living in Atlanta and being in Atlanta was really uh, learning how to collaborate. Like, I feel like the name of the game is collaboration in um, Atlanta, you have to be able to be open to work with other people and mix it up in the, in the, you know, and really provide whatever it is that you need to provide for whatever the project is or whatever the, the thing, the idea is yeah. to get things done. And I think because uh, Atlanta started to become this kind of black Hollywood where people started to flock there and start businesses and go there to be creative and to get discovered or whatever they were trying to do. I think so much of that, made uh no matter who you were kind of open to collaboration yeah um and no yeah. matter what level you were already at what level of established you already were you didn't want i, I always i started to, i started to call it uh you don't want to be the one who missed out on amigos <laughs> is what yeah. i used to call it <laughs> because because i felt like, so that was the ongoing thing if you walk around and just go you know a nightlife you would probably meet a million different people who said they knew and discovered the amigos that's what made me start to say it say that because i'm like they all missed out. Look, what's funny, you, know, so. you actually remind me when you said don't miss out on the Migos. Mm -hmm. um, a good friend of their family was doing the uh, casting, um, hiring for, was it Fight Night? So uh, okay. she called me to be a well, paparazzi on the video shoot as a, you know, just oh, the camera <laughs> and we walking up to it, you know, at that time, you know, we walking up, I'm kind of outside of the box, but it, you know, walking up to it, I'm like, all right, so what they look like. <laughs> That's hilarious. And, and she was like, which ones are these? She's like, you know, Versace, 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 Versace. I'm like, oh man. I don't know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> they are. Yeah, they were. That's man. hilarious. And that was that was that was my college years. That was definitely me freshman year college right there. Wow. Yeah. High on the Versace days for real. But no. For me, that was a big thing because, and I realized that was a, also a secret weapon of the the overall like growth and success that I think Atlanta as a whole, in terms of just overall development, the matter the the amount of you know black individuals who've been able to go and start over or start new things and start multiple ventures, I think it had a lot to do with um, this decentralized uh, culture. 
Yeah, because it's basically unlimited hustle right there. I think a lot of places are this way in terms of where the uh, local community, people who've already been there, pretty much control the overall culture. And um, you kind of got to buy in. They got to buy into them and they got to buy into you before you move around and move up. I think in Atlanta, because it was a city filled with so many and increasingly so many transplants, the culture shifted and it had to, it, it opened up. So I feel like those people who were already local, who, uh, who were already there and based there and always been there, had to open up to adapt, you know, because people are coming with actually good ideas. People are starting really good businesses. So it's like, are we going to shut out these new folks who came from wherever? Or are we going to get this money? Are we going to work with them? Are we going to, you know, scratch yeah. each other's backs to make sure that we both get ahead? Because what's the point in fighting and, and pushing each other out? Um, but I do. I don't think that that's a universal thing, though, unfortunately, uh, because when I moved to Chicago, it's like literally I got the polar opposite. Nice. Um, it's it's not it's not a a city filled with collaboration. It's a city where I think everybody works really hard um, in silos. Like it's very much a city that's bigger than um, bigger than uh, uh, Atlanta, but um, in terms of just the connectedness of the black communities, it's so interesting because it's uh, it's coveted, it's um, guarded. Um, you really have to know somebody to know something to know to to know what to do to move around, mm-hmm. and um, it takes time. Like it's not a transient city like Atlanta is. Like you got like we we're 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 both all of us on this call are all former residents of this place. <laughs> you know what right. I'm saying? So that you know that this is a place you can come to, do whatever you need to do, get whatever you need to get from it and easily leave, you yeah. know? Well, and you feel, most people usually feel fairly fulfilled with the time they spend in Atlanta. Cause it was maybe fun. You had this, you got that. It was a cool opportunity. You got it, what you got. And now you always have, you more than likely always have a community to come back to if you want to go ever go back to just visit or whatever. Right. Chicago's not like that. Chicago's not a transient city. Wow. Majority of the places, uh, a place where you are going to meet a lot of locals, a lot of people who born and raised here, and they plan to be here forever. They love it. They have a lot of pride, and the and the communities are certainly driven by um, people who are from here more than anyone else. So you have to get some buy-in. You have to get some like some like credibility from from people around here. And I've seen it live before. I've seen somebody literally almost give me a whole Carfax rundown to somebody and they treated me different immediately. <laughs> mm. I'm talking about like, oh, this is my, this is my boy, uh, this is my boy Rodney. I went to college with him. He know my mama, da, 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 da. And literally right after that, he just started sharing his drink and showing me pictures of his kids. And I'm like, this is crazy, but okay. This is how it is, I guess. You I know? trust you. <laughs> it's, it's been cool. It's been cool, though. It's like, okay, I trust you now. I trust you. I like how you yeah. analyzed all Say of these again. cities. No, I was saying that's what they were saying. Like, okay, I trust you now. I trust you. I'm gonna open up to you. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. That's it. And it, but it's 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 a weird thing. And I think I've I've been putting off putting out this because um, I felt like it was a bold piece to write. Um, I, it's a local um, uh, just publication here called the Tribe that um, I wrote this piece that I want to submit for, and it's basically kind of chronicalizing like what I've deduced to be the, uh, the the kind of pitfalls of that um, being a characteristic of the city. Um, 
because I think it's, it's, it stuns the growth of the city. If it feels like if outside there's this particular depiction of this city that I don't know how, if, if people who are from here and who are really not even caring and really already in their own bubbles, they can't be convinced anything negative about Chicago. Mm-hmm. They can't be, they, and they honestly, it's so far away from their brains on how anybody else can even perceive Chicago to be anything negative. So when they learn that people feel these particular ways, it really doesn't make sense to them. And um, what I've deduced it down to is that Chicago, unlike, like if I come to LA, which I love LA, and if I come to LA, I don't think about LA and think, oh man, I need to watch out for the, the bloods and the crips. I need to make sure I need to know what neighborhood I need to go to. I, I know for a fact, probably without that much effort, everywhere I decide to go, more than likely we'll be okay, you know? Right. Yeah. And especially with, you know, just 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 with, even if I didn't know particular people who are from there, I think even if I was just truly like a blind tourist, I think I would still be okay with everywhere I chose to go. And I believe Blackness creates that context for us. We know where we can be and where we shouldn't be and how we want to interact with particular spaces. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to Chicago, I think, from an external perception, that context really isn't given to Chicago. It's like, if anything, what the media says and what a lot of Black people who aren't from Chicago or never been or just believe in what they hear and what they see on the news are matching up. And that's usually not a thing. Usually there's some grace given because people still live and travel to Memphis. Memphis, we've been on the first 48. Chicago's been on the first 48. People have traveled to East St. Louis, which so they said that's a pretty dangerous place too. People will still do business and travel to Detroit and travel to Newark and travel to all these places. And they have the nuance and understanding to know where they can be and where they shouldn't be. Um, but when it comes to Chicago, it's kind of like, no, you better be careful. You, you better watch out. Are you all right up there? And I'm like, I'm fine. Trust yeah. me. Like I'm, I'm not dodging bullets just going to the store. Trust me. Like it's not that deep. And, um, just like just like wherever you live, we you know agree. where you don't won't go, and you know where yeah. you can go for the honestly the, the circumstances that they are. Um, but it's just interesting that Chicago doesn't get that uh, particular grace. Um, and also, I think it's the size that people forget too. I think people don't put those two things together when they talk about um, like murder rates and shootings and all these various things. From a statistic standpoint, that that headline sounds really, really terrible if they say it's 3,000 shootings in Chicago over the span of these past two weeks. It's just hypothetical. Right. But they're not categorizing how large is Chicago land, how large they consider Cook County to be, and where did all of these shootings occur? Because these shootings could happen in predominantly white neighborhoods. These shootings could happen in Chinatown. They count everything. But if you frame it as that, then everybody's just going to assume they all happen in Inglewood. Right. And so people are just going to go with that, you know? Right. I I can definitely understand that. So the, the almost because I'm from West Jackson, Mississippi, and I've been to a lot of places. Jack, West Jackson is one of the only cities or one of the first cities I've actually seen decline. It, you know, it's had its crime issues and everything, but you know, it's still, you know, 
I I still know even I haven't seen too much in Mississippi even just growing up or in Jackson just growing up you know and they run these numbers but I still know where not to go even like you said when you come out here I know where not to go I know even when I go to a place I still have a certain energy that I do attract even like you said the numbers or whatever they're saying it is on um on the news there and the locals don't quite vibrate with that with you know with the same fear that they're pushing out on the yeah. news you know the, yeah. i guess the locals you know they vibrate probably with a little more love for their city than the fear that the rest of us is getting from not being able to be there to experience really what's going on or to really for see real. what's happening for real. and yeah here in la it's been basically the same thing you know i didn't we didn't come here thinking about the gang stuff but yeah a lot of rappers and a lot of you know uh nate i like to say native americans but black people we still that's that thing that's the um i don't really want to take a venture out there and see what the beauty of you know the city because that's one of the things that's always that yeah. they're pushing out is the the gang violence been out here haven't seen anything been out here for four years you know we know where not to go for that i've used yeah. to drive uber i've had conversations with the locals i definitely see traumatized people from the gang violence stuff but yeah. i don't feel i'm not a i don't i don't vibrate with that so it's yeah. not even something if i was in the situation they could look right at me and probably be like, he don't vibrate with that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. What's good, bro? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think and I, and I think that's a, a interesting thing that I think is so interesting about um the overall thing. Cause I, I I wrote that within it. And then I also just spoke to why, like this guardedness, there's this general guardedness about the culture in Chicago, about the black culture in Chicago specifically. And I understand why that is yeah so much of so much of the black culture in chicago very similar to la has a um, a very community organization or quote-unquote gang uh culture that you know when you talk about just the you know the original ideas and the ideologies and the and the purpose for a lot of these community organizations um they date you know several decades back a lot of those people still believe in a lot of those principles and that's how they were literally so now that people were raised it was neighborhoods yeah. and people who were raised on a lot of those principles so that now that they're synonymous with just the, the honest uh i don't know honestly the the persona the general persona of being a chicagoan so discretion is key you know watch your back know who you talking to really assess and observe in the dna assess who you you know who you who you are interacting with which isn't bad principles to have you know but i think um without without good measure and without moderation it uh shuts people out and um that shutting out affects you too mm -hmm. they do it to they to they do it to each other lily had a great call uh yesterday with this uh with this entrepreneur Lily owns a co-working space in downtown Chicago, right off of Michigan Avenue. And I'm like, how, how is she not as big as, you know, we work in, here in Chicago. And I was praising her for her idea. 
and that's, you know, for, for starting this and doing this and creating this, you know, opportunity for so many other people to have a space to, if, if anything, especially these days with, you know, the work from home setup to possibly have a place where they could just work from home outside of their home. If they have that, if they want that option. Um, but what's interesting is that when you'll easily quickly realize how small the black community is, not from a standpoint of numbers, but in terms of like degrees of separation, I've met people and then realized that they know other people that I've met and so on and so on and so forth extremely quickly. Everybody know Chance. Everybody knows, like everybody knows. No matter who, give me any black Chicagoan you know, everybody treats him like they, like and that's interesting. I do think that that part is interesting about Chicagoans. Like they, if you are from there, you, you're not ever, you don't ever get too big. They always gonna treat you like <laughs> we went to school with you. I, we know you we know which heroes you like and that's shameful like you know what i'm saying they they're going to treat you exactly how they're going to treat you cuz they know too much they they know where your mama stay so it's like mm-mm, we ain't about to get, get you're not about to get hollywood on us cuz we going to tell you getting hollywood on us and we're going to treat you every time you do so you know nevertheless what i realized is that that guardedness creates this um this insulation of the culture that they don't even realize that they don't even really realize and how it's affecting them. And my ultimate kind of thesis in this overall article is that if black Chicagoans stay in this particular place of guardedness and allowing for their own perception to be the one that they don't care to show the world, because that's the thing. It's like, there's so many people who have great perspectives, who have great stories to tell, who can, better elaborate and explain the beauty of this city, but they're, they're not doing anything about it. They're not telling that story. That's not the thing that's being said. Um, rather, all the things that are being created around with Chicago being in the center of it, it's usually around broken systems. When you talk about all the Chicago shows, Chicago Fire, PD, Man, Justice, <laughs> and um, CPS, of uh, the school, um, like the Chicago public school system is forever going viral for, for teachers being on strike. Uh, we have probably one of the most recognizable mayors because she's terrible in um, <laughs> Lori Lightfoot. And it just goes on and on and on, um, on top of, you know, the things around like drill music and, you know, shootings and gang violence and all these other things. While it's like, that's all that people believe y'all are. And I don't think they understand that because they understand the totality. So it's like, how could they? And it's like, they've never been here. And then they don't want to. They, they think it's only cold all the time. Only a sprinkle of people really believe in this summertime shy idea. So it's kind of hard to convince people to come here and, and do things, even though this is the third largest city in the nation. Y'all shouldn't have to promote anything. LA doesn't have to do marketing. You don't have to have a, even though there are, LA, you know, come to LA commercials with Arnold Schwarzenegger and and and, and surfers and and so on and so, movie stars and so on and so forth. Same thing in New York. You can have a, a commercial about you know come and visit New York. Yeah, Chicago can do that same thing, and a lot of people will be like, "Hmm, this thing, mm, no," you know. Uh, but they, somebody needs to actually tell the true story because there's a lot of precious beauty in the overall just history of Chicago in terms of just it being a central place for the great uh, migration um, over a hundred years, over, yeah, over a hundred years ago. 
hundreds, hundred or so years ago, and it being seen as a place that was the promised land. The promised land. There was majority of the people who uh, moved to Chicago were uh, actually from Mississippi. Yeah, and, uh, um, a lot of people that go to Jackson State are from Chicago. Yeah, I went to Jackson State for three years. Yeah, yeah, and there, and there's there's a direct line, a direct line. Like you, I don't know if yeah. you know, but uh, there's a a road because um, Chicago was one of the first um, kind of grid systems. Fifty five. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Cicero. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think fifty-five goes all the way up. If I'm correct. Yeah. Yeah. It goes. It goes all the way. You can literally take it straight down, and you'll go through Cairo and end up in Memphis. And then if you go north, you can literally take it all the way up, and you'll end up in Milwaukee. Um. Yeah. And just that connectedness, you know. And I think also going east and west, the start of like uh, of Route sixty-six is uh is in Chicago as well. So mm-hmm. just certain historical aspects of it you know this really easy connection it's like now people are moving i remember like when i be like almost seven years ago when i moved here um me telling people that i moved here from from atlanta they was like why you move here like you was already there you was already there. <laughs> i'm trying to i'm trying to figure out how to get to where you was at damn why you leave why you come here it's cold you know yeah. all those different things and, and i've had my own relationship with this cold weather but it's getting better, you know. Um, but overall, I, I believe in the city. I think it, that's the thing. It's like once you kind of get a little taste and kind of also be adjacent to that pride, you kind of want to know what it is. You kind of want to get that that feeling. Yeah. You kind of want to figure it out. And it feels so endless. The city is so large. It does feel really endless because you can discover something, learn something, learn about this black owned thing and learn about that black owned thing, learn about this place in this neighborhood, learn that. Oh, there aren't there aren't just you know black folks just on the south and west sides. There's a whole, whole you know dozens of black neighborhoods on the north side of town too. Who knew? You know, um, the rapper Polo G is from what they call the North Pole, uh, <laughs> which is a northern neighborhood above you know which the usual expectation is that everything above um, downtown is like either multicultural or majority white affluent neighborhoods but evidently they still have everything above downtown yeah okay so that's in south of downtown is more black people south 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 and west of downtown are where majority of where the black communities are and it's funny like uh shout out to uh six uh six figure dilla uh who's like a basically a, a chicago historian he's getting so much um attention right now for just literally just giving people just facts about Chicago, which that's the type of work that I feel like more people need to do. Like speak to the interesting aspects of the historic, the history of Chicago, you know, the fact that Chicago was founded by, you know, um, by uh, uh, Dusabu, you know, which is a Haitian immigrant. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that, you know, you have so much like history in terms of music being folks like Muddy Waters and, and and Cadillac Records actually coming, you know, coming here and establishing a really incredible presence. Um, but also just it being that place that a lot of people came to to find opportunity. And um, truly a lot of that upward mobility that black people seen in the early 1900s happened in Chicago. Like people literally were we talking about people being the you know first homeowners and being a part of this, you know, black middle class that was becoming. It was a thing, you know, 
it was black people lived right downtown um, during the um, the Great Chicago Fire, you know. So and it's you know it's conspiracy that you know that's maybe a motivation of the fire, but mm. it was almost like black people were always in the center of it all and basically kept getting pushed out and um, ultimately finally settled in where they settled in and the city started to separate and become one of the most segregated cities in in the nation, honestly, because everything is gridded off. So Compton, like, and, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I was going to say Compton and, you know, South, South Central is Southwest of mm. downtown, Inglewood, all mm. Southwest of downtown as well. That's interesting. You know, yeah. I, um, another thing about Chicago is they're very prideful, <laughs> and they love they love to let you know about what uh, other people took from them. And something that I could not prove as of yet, because uh, I, I just didn't didn't think to do the research for real to see how true it was. But somebody told me, which you got to take it with a grain of lorries, you know. Sure. That uh, essentially, because Chicago gangsters are the ones who established quote unquote Hollywood. So their way of kind of shouting out their home turf being Chicago, they, um, they named so many things, so many places and streets and things like that um, in LA, in the LA County area after places and streets in um, Chicago. Chicago. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's what they, that's what he told me. And so you have things like Inglewood and Inglewood we have a Burbank. We have so many different things. California, Sacramento, it's street names. We have um, we have a shoot where I live, Beverly. I have a, the neighborhood I live in is called Beverly Hills. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and and, and I'm and I, I have to like do the fact checking, but it's an interesting, interesting thing to say. And I was like, oh, okay, who knows? But you know. How it is when it's like you look, you know, Chicago did everything. You did. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of them. It's one of them type of type we, of things, you know. We actually, um, I'm not sure if you know, um, jazz radio host Larissa Hill of Blue, is it Blue Wolf, Blue Wolf Radio? Blue Wolf Radio. She's there in no, Chicago. No, She's an old classmate of mine from Jackson State, and we mm. actually had her on the show, and I actually got a chance to have her grandmother. I think it was her grandmother or great grandmother on the show as well. Oh, that's so cool. And yeah, she was, you know, able to tell us about growing up in Chicago a little bit. Yeah, it's a beautiful, the his, history wise, it, that will like lock you in and make you really more enamored by certain things. Because um, for me, I think I quickly picked up on certain, you know, Southern cues, you know, um, just similarities. And like everybody's parentals loved me because it was just, I guess I reminded them of, some you know some some older uncle or some older cousin um that like was a little closer to you know closer to you know not being so urbanized i guess yeah. and um like i remember i had i had uh, my ex-girlfriend's mom i remember she used to just watch me eat eat biscuits like she was like you use your hands ooh <laughs> me back you know and i just i'm like sure you know i, just, I ain't know anybody eat them any other way i didn't even think about that but i guess you're right um but it was just just little things like that that's so charming to me. And uh, I think I, I've definitely grown this really, you know, I think for a long time it was definitely a love-hate relationship because I didn't like the cold. I, and I didn't like the, um, because I am Southern, I am open. I am like the, want to say hey to everybody, want to speak and all that, and just open because it's like I'm no, I'm no threat. 
right. to the thing, but to be treated as a threat or be treated as I need to, you need to second guess my presence is a, is a culture shock, you know, it's a real true culture shock. Um, but nevertheless, I think I've, I've grown to a, a, a more comfortable place because I really went through the full changes of feeling like maybe it's me, maybe I'm coming on strong to maybe it was like, it ain't even me, that's them. That's they, they need to get past that to yeah. really indifference. And honestly, to a place of contentment now where I'm like, I've met some incredible people. I'm thankful for that. And um, I'm continuously meeting even more incredible people. The more that I just make particular moves and kind of just approach it in a more patient and less anxious way, you know? Yeah. I actually grew up in Minnesota, I was going to mention. And I knew like two people from, uh, which is not too far from Chicago, if anybody's listening. Um, And... I knew two people from the South, one from Memphis and one from Mississippi. And it, both you can tell the the difference, you know, yeah, <laughs> they're always yeah. different. It's a different culture um, oh, yeah. up north and Midwest in general. It's like Southern people are just welcoming and just nice right off the bat. It's yeah. Different culture. Yeah. And I, I feel like that, 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 you know, maybe it's that migration because, you know, so many of our, you know, ancestors and, and, you know, all those different things left and, um, you know, have still have family, you know, still in the South. So I think that energy of like getting away and getting far away was really, really embedded in just kind of Southern culture to a certain degree. But there's a lot of people don't leave still, you know, yeah. majority of majority of the South is still where, you know, majority of the black population lives. But I think I feel like I meet a lot more Southerners in random places than I do people from Minnesota or Iowa and so on and so forth. You know, a lot of people I realized um, once I moved to the Midwest, oh, a lot of people do don't really go anywhere else in the Midwest, you know? And I feel like in the South, I feel like everybody's trying to get out. Everybody is at least trying to visit out. They're not trying to just go to, you know, to Florida to vacation. They're like, no, I want to go to, I want to go to DMV. I want to go to New York. I want to go to LA. I want to, I want to try. I really want to get out into a whole different environment. I don't want to go to, you know what I'm saying? Biloxi to the beach you know what I'm saying? <laughs> just, and get, and get some kind of similar to where I'm at. You feel me? Just, it's just a beach now, you know, but I'm still yeah. in the South. I can still get some good fish. Not, not too, you know, not too much of a different flavor there. People want to get something different. People want to feel something different while in the Midwest, it wasn't like that. It's not like that at all. People really enjoy the aspects of the Midwest brain more than anything. They love the lake. They love that damn lake. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, you know, you know, living in Minnesota, like yeah, people 10, love the lake. lakes. Yeah, people love them damn lakes. People will, you know. I I remember where when I was working um, for this particular company. I remember. That was always the thing with some of my coworkers. And we're like, yeah, we're going to the lake house. And I was like, okay, y'all fancy. But then I kept hearing it. I was like, damn, this really all like, our lake house is cheap or something. Everybody got a damn lake house. What's going on? Um, but, But just people love the Midwest. Like people from the Midwest really do enjoy. And they'll, if anything, move around. So a lot of people, I met a lot of people from Chicago who are from other parts of the Midwest. Chicago definitely is a like a gathering spot for a lot of Midwesterners. But um, it's interesting. I find it pretty interesting, honestly. Yeah. When, as far as for me with the the energy thing, 
I had as far as locks and then, you know, to that kind of one thing to confirm me and let me know, you know, as far as energy wise, it took, it was a little reality check for a second. But when I cut my hair and I had to mm. realize, okay, you know, when out here, of course, when you, if you have, you know, locks, it's automatically, you know, yeah, it's kind of cool now, but now, yeah. you know, as I, I didn't have my hair and I had to remember that, oh, you know, oh shit, people don't look at me the same. I ain't got my locks, you know, so yeah. I look different or as, you know, but it blew on and I realized my energy still, you know, as far as they still pick up on the good vibe, whether yeah. it's the locks or with, you know, my, my nappy fro or braids. That's real. That's so, that's so true. And, um, going into corporate spaces, it's interesting because, yeah. um, a big, a big reason that made me move here is person I was dating at the time. Um, I was just so disgruntled with, um, what I was going through in the job market. Uh, when I was uh, after graduating, and honestly during, but right before graduating as well, in my senior throughout my senior year, just going through all these particular interviews, and um, the blatant uh, microaggressions or just direct, you know, insults to my overall just image and character and identity were were uh, terrible. You know, like questions like, you know, how attached to your hair are you? You know, stuff like that being mm-hmm. asked of me amidst the interviews. And uh, I've walked out of interviews. I've like, you know, oh. just. This is in know, Chicago? Our, uh, it was a few in Chicago, a few in Atlanta, a um, uh, few just, you know, over, you know, over, over the phone. Um, I, had, I had interviews everywhere, you know? Um, and, and, and it's, it was sad because um, a few of my professors had uh, told me that they was like, you're a great student. You're, you have a great business mind. You have, you know, all these different things, but, uh, I'm, we're hoping that this hair thing is a phase because it's not sweet out there. You know, like it really isn't sweet. Um, and they still feel a way about these types of things. They still don't understand it. And um, I believe like the Crown Act was, was passed maybe what, two, maybe three years ago, maybe just in 2019, I feel like, um, where you couldn't discriminate with, uh, you know, against someone uh, based off of their uh, hair texture and their, how they wore their hair in particular ways. Uh, which probably is more of a probably benefits a lot of other people other than us, but nevertheless, um, still something I had to deal with, and um, it really didn't make any difference. You know, it really doesn't make any difference because it's like I got here in the room. You you see my resume, and it, evidently it made me at least get me to this point, even if this is a formality just to you know go through the motions. Why waste my time? Why telling me to do something that? only matters to you for eight hours of my day you know and what kind of uh, what was the feel of these interviews um they were uh different like different types of industries like sales jobs we talked because I, I had my I got my degree in marketing so pretty much could have you know apply for a lot of different things mm-hmm. from just you know just from just rent you know just entry-level associate positions for sale for various sales and various things um from various industries it could have been um and I think for me, it was honestly, I had got all the way down to my wits. I was just applying a little bit everywhere. I was like, I just got to find something. And I was going, I went through four interviews with Enterprise Rent-A-Car. And they essentially didn't offer me the job. And I literally was driving all around Georgia. Had to go to a rent-a-car center, uh, like a Enterprise, all the way deep in, you know, on the, on the south side. And had to go to another one all the way, you know, past Decatur and they had to go to another one 
all the way on the north side and, and talk to who what this regional manager and that manager and so on and so forth and um uh, to ultimately to ultimately not even get the job and that's what kind of sent me over that's what i was big boohooing and expressing like just my frustration um to my ex at that time and she kind of presented that idea she was like you know why don't you just come up here and really kind of hit the ground and be able to because you cause I literally was like going back and forth for certain interviews uh the ones that i had in chicago because chicago was always a place on my list it was uh, i was either cool to stay in atlanta after school i was down to go to a, a handful of other places like chicago philadelphia um and um anywhere else honestly that felt kind of like a good space for me and um but at that time that was kind of where my those are my three kind of like top places um just based off the offerings that i was seeing and um and just looking into and um, once that happened i was like all right um, i'm down I'm, I'm gonna think about it and i did it and um i left two weeks later went home stayed for a week and um then had all my things with me and came on came on down to chicago and haven't left yet okay it's funny when you're saying that i was just thinking like there's been so many times where i've had like four interviews and met with six different people and i felt like i did great and still didn't work out and i know you know my blackness has something to do with it but i never yeah. thought like maybe the hair because i you know i'll wear my you know curly afros and you know i don't feel like i have to straighten my hair or anything but i just wondered like how much of my hair played into it or anything like that yeah i i i, I mean for me it was the first thing that kind of came to me um when it came to just because i was always a stellar interviewer or interviewee you know um that I used to really, you know, ha literally be pulled out of classes to show other classes how to like conduct hard in different types of interviews, group interviews, so on and so forth, and just how to play in particular dynamics. So I never was nervous about interviews because I'm like, I know how to spin, I know how to, you know, expound, I know how to do all these things. So it makes sense. And I, I've always been able, I've always had the gift of gab. So I'm like, I can talk my ass off. I can. We can just talk. We're gonna just if that's all this part, if all this is, is I don't have to just show you something or go and do anything yet. We just talking. I can talk talk all day about myself. Yeah. So it can't be that, you know. And I know I know I was I know I still had business, I know I had great business acumen. I know I could sell practically anything, especially if you give me the and give me all the details of the thing and and put me in front of somebody who's in the market for it. Nine times out of ten, I feel like I'll at least make an impression. And so I knew I knew I was, you know, but I think ultimately the beautiful silver line into it all is that um it's kind of great that all those things didn't work out because I didn't really change who I was for any of those things. I didn't waver when it came to that. And I think it's only fortified in my overall journey and story. Cause now I'm had my locks for going on almost 14 years now and um i think they are really bring out the truth around people around me you say 14 14 yes 14 yeah that was about 15 with mine i used to trim mine yeah yeah so I have, yeah i had mine for about 15 years and 
when I cut it, it was more of just ran. It was a we come in from doing a little hiking and it's just I kind of wanted it off my shoulders a little bit. No over yeah. too much overthinking or anything else with it. And it was just like, all right, all right today is gonna be the day. And you know, she cut. She've always known me with um, with locks. Yeah. So afterwards, I was man rubbing my head. Months <laughs> is just. <laughs> nothing but rubbing and just rubbing like man i haven't yeah. felt my scalp like this in a minute but yeah I i'm a imagine. hair person though so it's just basically grow my hair right back you know me so too why, me yeah. too I, i've had i've had hair on my head long hair on my head more than i have had anything yeah. like i've been having longer hair uh since like the fifth grade but literally when i was born i really only had low haircuts for maybe about five years of my life for real because yeah. when i came out the womb my mom took a long time to cut my hair i was like four or five and ended up probably keeping my hair and growing it out around like fifth so that's like 10th grade so you're talking about a good five solid years of you know the, you know mom you just you ball fade you and maybe give you a little part every now and again <laughs> at the barbershop you know if she let you get a little you know a little spicy yeah. but that that was all I had. And I had all the braids, I had all the designs, I had all the things until I finally um, stuck with it. And it's, it's been a, um, a great character trait, you know, oh, been, yeah. it's been a great identifier for me. And it's um, been just a great, honestly, a great uh, way to just express myself um, overall, because it, I'm redefining so many different things when I come into a room. Um, and I, and I, because it's like, the assumptions and the connotations that everybody has. That's why I say that they, they really give me the truth to people. Because yeah. if I walk into a particular space, they might already assume, oh, you probably smoke or something, don't you? Probably, da, da, da. you probably real earthy and da da da. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, walk up on them and smell like patchouli or some bullshit like that. Um, and then, and or then I'll walk into other uh, other rooms and they will be like, oh, I hope he's, you know, I hope he's cool. I hope he's not like, you know, like super hotep or gonna, you know, go off on us and tell us about the man and da da da. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. You know? And then they'll they 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 communicate with me and hear me, you know, just the the variety and the 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 broadness of just kind of where my mind can really go and what type of things I can talk about and just the random pieces of information I can pull out of my head because I just love to learn things. They'd be like, oh this guy really ain't he ain't giving me a guy with locks type of vibe. Like oh, he ain't yeah. these type of things. And I was like, yeah, cause that's not how that shit work. You know, it's right. people, we're all people. And we show up how we show up. And I think um, that's what made it a beautiful thing to me, you know? And I, I feel, I think everyone else projects attachment, uh, a certain type of attachment to my hair than, than I, what I truly feel. And I think my, I think if I was to ever cut my hair, it would be similar to just how you described. Like I would, it would literally, as soon as that thought is a true, real thought that I had, I'll probably cut it that same day and yeah. be okay. But this yeah. is like, I've, I've never had this thought any other day that I woke up. So the fact that it comes over me now, why not? It must be must be something to do. But yeah. I think I would definitely, yeah, I would still have hair. I, I've, it's only been maybe like, I've seen maybe two to three people in the span of the 14 years who had a particular haircut? I was like, I know I can look good with that. Like, I, I, <laughs> look, I, I kill that, you know, yeah. just little stuff. But I, but I never, uh, I never ground myself in that, uh, in that thought. I just be like, hey, I like that, bro. That's because you got, you kind of got a similar head shape as my. I remember my head is kind of, I got corners back here oh. somewhere, um, <laughs> so I know my head kind of boxy like yours. So I know it could be good, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. But, um, but I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed them so much, and. Um, yeah, this is about Honestly. the longest that my hair has been, you know, 
as far as without being locked. I had it. I had braids around middle school, but after locking for, you know, 15 years and now it's just growing, you know, I just let it grow. But even when I cut it, I don't like the barber. So, yeah, you know, she trimmed it up. And, yeah, you know, I see. I don't I see. even. Yeah, there's no. I don't do the line here. You know, I shave myself up, but yeah, that's about keep it natural. Yeah, so yeah. It's been and, it's and, just and super I, easy for me. Yeah, and I think it, what it gave me, honestly, the it's a gift that just has multiple multiple things to it. You know, it gave me patience because I had I had to wait for my hair to get this long to like feel like I accomplished something. You know what I'm saying? Like this is what you. This is why you start them so you can see them while they you know at this particular length and just be able to, you know, be proud of that. Yeah. Uh to be able to do any style or whatever you want to feel. But also, uh, so it just gave me patience, but also it just gave me a, a different sense of my own self-awareness, you know? Like I now have to be attentive to my own uh just hair care and just what I'm putting in my body and just just any type of thing that's going on. Like I, I definitely really quickly realized like I've stressed enough that my hair has fallen out, like has fallen out. Um, so it's like, oh, it's, this is a thing, you know what I'm saying? This is, it's really connected, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, but I enjoyed that because it's like, okay, this is going to keep me aware. It's going to keep me abreast on what I need to continuously stay up on to uh, take care of myself. And, um, and it works out every time it worked out every time. Like now when <laughs> I remember just in the earlier days, people just, um, different, uh, locticians would see me out in public and, you know, hand me their card and, yeah. Like who do your hair? And I was like, I do. Maybe like, do you? I'm like, yes. I was gonna ask. Really? Yeah, I can. Yeah, I've I been can. doing it. Yeah, I've been Ooh, doing them for. Boy, I know. I've I been can. doing. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing them. I've been doing them myself for at least probably eleven of the fourteen years. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, after probably Hats about three years. Oh man. Seriously. Oh, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Him. man. I mean, it's it, it. What's funny is it took me longer to do them when my hair was shorter than mm. way the way it does now. Like now I can I can sit down, put on, put on, put on Dark Knight and be done before the credits. Wow. Yeah, yeah, put on a long movie or a show with a good, you know, a good handful of episodes and I'll be, yeah, I won't you know, I'll be straight. I'll be be good. And um and then just learning how to do those different things. And as my hair has changed and grown and you know, I've learned how to interlock and I've learned how to do this. I've learned how to fix certain things. And only time I really allow for somebody else to to touch my hair for real is when um I just want another set of eyes. You know, yeah. maybe I want to just clean up particular things. I feel like I can't get just right for myself. And um and it it helps. That helps with pricing too. <laughs> yeah. When you when I when I walk into when I have these conversations and I tell them that I do my own hair, they know that it's like, well, damn, well, this is a hard sell, you know. Yeah. Like what I'm what I'm gonna say, like hey, I can do your hair better than you. You like you're doing a good job, you know? Yeah. Um for so the, they, they usually take in. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was gonna say for the beginner, like what are some products that you use since you do your own hair? Um, so for beginners, depending well, on your length, uh that's really kind of how you um make choices based on your uh, on your locks. So in the uh, in those earlier days, it's okay to go with something that's natural and thicker. Hence, uh, why a lot of people start their locks with beeswax. I really don't suggest it just for the sake of, um, I think it's, it's not something that you can use for an extended period of time because eventually it's going to, um, you probably won't Check like the smell. 
it'll, it'll, it'll start to build up and you don't know what your uh what that locked what your locked texture really will be able to handle um because i think people just assume that you know yeah i got locks my hair gonna be strong i can use all this you know this this product and do all this and that and third and it's like no you know so um when you first start you shouldn't be using any the the heavy you can use the heavier things um but you shouldn't be using it on a regular basis um so you can get things like uh anything that i would say out the gate if you can get things that are more oil based than cream based okay. um so anything that doesn't have any particular you know sulfurs and and in particular you know just you know parabens and things like that you don't yeah. want to put those certain things in your hair because you no know, more than like they'll encourage build up and also uh just set you up for just set you up for a look that you really don't like they might make your hair look ashy you know what i'm saying i don't, I don't know if people yeah. are familiar with that look um and just collect and maybe collect uh, certain things that you just don't want to yeah you know just in your hair but as your hair gets longer and longer and longer you uh you can start to kind of you know experiment with other things like i've definitely used a little bit of everything in terms of just uh stay away from uh the jamaican limes i think <laughs> that's what it's called like it's the jamaican yeah. and lime products yeah stay away from those that is not yeah. good for you um that would definitely um break your hair off and i don't know that through experience i just know that from just enough research to know um that a lot of people haven't had good experiences with it um yeah like i believe it's like eq style which is like kind of like a styling gel they became mm -hmm. very popular um and that one is really i think only good for touch-ups i don't think you should really use that to you know twist your hair on a consistent basis and when your hair gets to a really really long length start really transitioning to uh to leave-in conditioners mm -hmm. and um for the sake of um your hair is you're not trying to train your hair anymore your hair is very, very much, very matured. You're not trying to just, you know, make it do a particular thing. Um, about when you get to start to get to, you know, about neck length, you can start to uh, just really just find a good leave-in conditioner that you can um, twist your hair with. I believe the one I use is, um, I forgot the name of it. I forgot the name of it. Ooh. Um, and I'm not sure how local it is, but I would say use something and uh, match it with, the overall kind of you know um match it with something that has a, a, a essential oil that you feel like really you really need for your hair um and also use essential oils too for your hair as well like make sure you're oiling your scalp no matter what type of you know kind of hair that you have you have hair that's usually oily or you hair that's usually dry or hair that's kind of you know in between oil your scalp just you know that should be a general thing just if you got yeah. if you black just oil your scalp but nevertheless really oil your scalp when you have locks because um they'll have a tendency to just soak all that up for real for real. these things are like sponges yeah so yeah so you know so and, you don't um, use yeah. wax anymore you just use leave-in no i did yeah, i have i haven't used oh. beeswax in shoot probably over 10 years at this point and um for me it was just honestly i i was I was kind of like turned off by just the overall smell too because some of them didn't have a smell yeah it, it was like the smell with like like because you know you do your hair while it's you know while it's damp and so that beeswax yeah. mixed with like just damp hair and and like the shampoo like i just did not like it and it felt like it kind of lingered a little too much for me 
Like I would just be sleeping, just like, what is that? Like, is that me? You know, it's not a good feeling. Um, but more than anything, it also created a lot of buildup. So you have to do a lot of, you know, a bunch of kind of, you know, just detoxifying your hair in those situations, which I highly encourage everybody who's, you know, growing locks to, you know, tap into those type of detoxifying methods like AC, you know, uh, apple cider vinegar, um, rinses and things like that. Just a real natural way to go about it. Um, definitely, definitely, um, consider doing all your research on all these things I'm suggesting because, uh, some people really don't believe in, you know, the, the ACV with uh baking soda method because that can possibly cause damage as well. Um, if you use Dr. Bonner's use a little bit, dilute, dilute, dilute. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that should be understood with anything you use for Dr. Bonner's, uh, because yes, you're, you're messing around and burn a hole in your scalp. <laughs> um, that is some strong ass soap, you know, you, it ain't that deep. It ain't that deep, you know, but I, I use, um, I use the castor oil based, um, a castor oil based uh, shampoo. Okay. So using things that are like oil based and essential oil based and, and not based in with like creams and, and like gels or jams and some type of jelly, whatever. That's not what you need. You need something yeah. that can actually just stay in your hair. And it's just going into your hair. It's actually, you know, nourishing your scalp because all of those gels and things like that are really just kind of binders more than anything. They're just there to kind of hold stuff together. And so they don't really go anywhere. They pretty much just dry out. And just it's almost kind of like uh, it's just almost the expectations that you're going to just wash this out anyway. But that's not how locks work. You know, right. we pretty much are doing them and then just eventually going to do them again and do them again and do them again. And that's how you create that build up and create that breakage. Yeah. I know one of the best things, at least now that I can enjoy about at least having a fro. About 15 years ago, I couldn't have a nappy fro mm. like I can now. It wasn't just quite the thing then, you know, how it is now to where you can just, yeah. you know, nap mm-hmm. your hair up and walk out. So that's something True. that I I love now, you know, and I've gotten more comfortable with. Yeah, to where, I love it too. Yeah, I can just uh, <laughs> go. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy because it feels like it kind of has just in, just thinking about popular culture. Like mm-hmm. I remember those days of like in the early, you know, the late nineties and the early two thousands, where you know it was still it was very much a very Pick your fro out. Yeah, a very visible um, style that people were still getting into. You know, I think about like, you know, the Wayans brothers and, you know, so many earlier careers of certain actors and um, who like just showed up in a particular way in their movies and also just in person. I thought it was real interesting. And then it was kind of like it just died out, you know, and people just had fades, you know, just had nothing but fades. And um, I don't know what did it. I'm not sure if like, sporting and entertainment culture kind of brought a lot of that back, you know, with the sponge. And then now it's a racket that people were putting on their head to yeah. give it a particular <laughs> texture. Uh, I like it. I honestly love it. I love it. I love um, just, just, I love to see men with hair, you know, because I think honestly, all my, I, 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 I feel very vindicated because so many people I went to college with, uh, would always just say that, like, when you gonna cut it? When you gonna cut it? You gonna cut it one day? You ain't gonna. You know, he was like, well, how would you feel if I had some scissors? And I'm like, what? What is this 
mind game y'all trying to play with me. Like, I don't get it. But uh, so many of those people have uh, locks now, which I find so funny. (laughs) I find it so funny um, because they were – but I, but I knew it though. In the back of my mind, I kind of knew it. I was like, "You like this, don't you? You want, you want some of this? I get it." Mm-hmm. Just take some time to try and become confident in yourself to just go ahead and, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I think it. that's I think that's also a part of my. Because there's an ugly stage. It, 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 luck, uh, uh, I'm privileged because I had <laughs> hair already, so I didn't have to cut my hair down. Then I, I really just literally was probably did a little bit more than the ends, yeah. and I probably looked had like a um. If you remember uh, the 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 uh, L.A. based classic uh, "Love Don't Cost a Thing" featuring Nick Cannon, uh, <laughs> I feel like my hair was about at about at that length when I first started. But my hair was longer, but I cut it. I guess you just had to cut it down and start it the way she wanted to start it. But um, and I started mine with two strand twist, which I was, which I'm still amazed to this day that they eventually started to look how they look. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I highly, I'm, I'm biased. I believe we all could walk around like this and it'll work out and people will be okay. Um, because especially now that there are so many different types, like, you know, I've seen some beautiful, like, sister locks on different ladies where it's like, damn, this is, this is like your whole hair. I, I, I like, if I didn't, you know, get this close to you, I would have just thought you just had just your hair down, you know, what you do. But it's like, not in a style, you know? Because yeah. they're making them so fine and so slim and so small these days. Uh, but that's what makes it such a beautiful thing. Like, yeah, this is just my hair in organization, in a particular organization. And um, it feels good that way. And um, and it's just something to, just, it's something to define gravity because I, I hair literally, you know, would grow out. Yeah. And I think it's something to just kind of, you know, bring it back down in a way. It's really, I think I've always thought that was a real cool thing and um i'm forever kind of like re um almost almost like kind of refreshing my love for my hair all the time you know uh within particular looks that i find when i um when i get dressed up like anytime i'm getting dressed up to do anything and i gotta like okay let me do something to my hair i'll be like damn like this i'm glad i got this like this made this made this like fit a fit you know yeah. uh, <laughs> and um and, and it was funny because my friends say, say that all the time anytime we go out and go do anything it was like you you ain't even doing that much but it's the hair like the hair is like <laughs> finishing this like real simple look that you got going on i was like i, I appreciate that you know i think about that now i think about that so much more now and um but I love it. I love it. I've gotten past my goal length. I just wanted them all to kind of be at my belly button. I'm like, all right, we cool. But uh, probably, probably maybe next year, I think I'll start that kind of um, just a trimming process to keep them at a particular length. Cause I don't want them to, I don't want them to go all the way to my damn knees and nothing. I, yeah, I, think I was I'm cool where, where I'm at, you know, I was moving too fast in Virginia and closed mine in the door. So I, I started trimming mine about here every so often and I couldn't just let it get too long because yeah, I close it in the, in the door in the house and also close it in the car door. And after that, it was, that's a new, geez, ah, whoa, <laughs> you know, moving too fast, getting out the car Dang. and they just fly yeah. back and you close the door and you just snatch back like that. Dude. It's like, ah. well, I'm like, so yeah. glad they ain't having to me. Oh yeah. my God. I was moving too I- fast. And each one, each time I just said, I guess it was a moving too fast kind of moment. And they just, yeah, 
Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. I definitely hit people all the time. People have told me that. Oh yeah. Um, I didn't. I didn't realize it. Like I remember a friend of mine. We were in a. We were going up to visit someone or go somewhere in an elevator, and I guess I was talking, just like paying attention to them as I was talking. And I, somebody who was already in there, and I was like, "Yeah, you know, whatever," and just turned around. Mm-hmm. Whoever was in there, I guess they. They was like, "Bro, you." Slap them with at least ten of your, like, <laughs> and they just let it happen. They didn't say nothing. They just like adjusted <laughs> and just got off. You know, they didn't even say nothing to me. I was like, I'm so. I was. I would have said sorry if I knew. I'm not. I do not know. And then, um, just being mindful of them. Yeah. You know, just being mindful of them. Like, um, I remember them years in college when my hair was getting long enough to where it was like, oh, I remember like that. Was, I remember the day I was like eating. Some type of it maybe been like spaghetti or something from the calf, and I think I like <laughs> leaned down and like had a lock and a spaghetti, and you know, and I was like, damn, now I gotta, I gotta pull my hair back when I eat now. Right, we, okay. we here now, that's what's yeah. Up. Like that's where we at, you know. Yeah. And that's and that's been my life that it's not even a, a a second a second guess at this point. Um, and so yeah, it's it's cool, it's cool, you know, and it's it it does already create a a level of respect too in terms of just your your boundary of like, like, uh, like your personal space, you know? Cause like people, I think it's real easy. I can imagine probably a lot of, I'm not sure about a lot of men who have like shorter hair, but I assume that people probably are more likely to touch you or touch you, touch your person in some way, shape or form. If it's nothing stopping them, it's like, you can touch your bald head or look at, you know, da, 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 that type of stuff. But right. for me, they be like, can, can, like, can I, like, or you yeah. know, <laughs> let people? Yeah. You know, they, and I I've like that. I'm like, yeah, and I like Uber. that. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't just let everybody touch my hair anyway. So it's like, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. I yeah. like that. Uh, but I, I, I'll play, I usually play into people's um, connotations and, and sometimes allowed to be a, um, a teachable moment. Sometimes yeah. depends. It depends. I've had on, a, a few in the Uber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it's it's a thing, and mostly it's been, you know, white coworkers and things like that who like have really very elementary questions about certain things and got it honest. You. They got it honest. You know, just want to know. You know, can I? Yeah, no, no, I, yeah, yeah. They got it honest. Oh my god, I, but I it, haven't been this close. Can I touch? Oh, no, I don't do that. I I get that a lot as well. Um, But I don't really care. So I'm just, I'm always curious why, I guess, people care. I'm like, they've never seen hair like this, so they just touch it. They're like, oh, it's spongy. um, But I just never really cared. I just let anybody. Yeah, I I mean, I I remember in in an interview, because I this was after kind of already experiencing this um, energy and it's like attention to my hair and in interviews. Um, I remember I had, I had the, 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 the comeback that I had was pretty uh, visceral, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty snappy, <laughs> but I was quick on my feet. And, um, and he, he, he like wanted to engage with me about a conversation just about hair in general. I guess that was his approach. It was just like, he was like, you don't think that, you know, there's particular connotations and, and all these different things about, you know, you know, this particular style of hair and all this and that, that's, that's just want to know, you know, is it a spiritual thing for you or whatever it is? Da, da, da. And I came back and said, I was like, I can Google serial killers right now and probably find one with your exact hairstyle. Yeah. 
But I don't believe you're a serial killer. But you know, maybe it's a spiritual thing for you too. <laughs> and, and just walked out. You know, like, let's let's make this make sense. You're gonna put me in the same box as somebody who has what you believe to be the same hairstyle and say there must be some type of connection. That's real interesting. If I am a gang member, I highly doubt that I want to work at this company. For what? <laughs> like I'm for what? <laughs> right. <laughs> I think that makes sense. If I am a if I'm a rapper, if I am a person who is who only is a, a what you would call a a degenerate who only smokes and does drugs all day, why am I trying to be employed? Like none of that makes sense. None of it made sense. So it's like, why would I be here? I'm like just really, you know, yes, money and all these other things I need, but nine times out of 10, if I am any of those other things and I just happen to be a black man with locks, highly doubt I would want to waste my time at this job. Like you gotta, you gotta, you know, see my humanity in this situation. I'm here trying to get a job because I wouldn't, I guess I wouldn't mind or want this to see if this is a good fit for me. Um, And you feel you qualify. Yeah, and I feel like I qualify for what it is that I'm about to do. And I want to know what it is I'm about to do, you know? Um, and that, that was a hell of a hell of a time. Like, I, I learned so much about, um, you, have you guys heard of, like, uh, have you heard of, like, ghost kitchens? No. And no. I, I can imagine it probably being a thing in, in L.A. right now for sure, because it's definitely becoming a growing thing. But I, more about that later. What it, What I discovered was there are, like, these kind of like ghost marketing companies mm. that do these ads and put out these job uh, openings and present themselves to be this like really nice marketing firm where you get to like a startup where you get to meet, you know, be in the office with the CEO. And I went on so many interviews to companies like this. They had a very ambiguous theme on their um, websites um, would have a really nice, usually a really nice, um, Central, lo- centrally located uh, office, and I would get in there, and I'd be like, "Okay, cool. I don't know what it is. It's like marketing associate manager, account manager, whatever position." And I would meet with someone, and they would show, and it was like the same exact uh, script. And I did this with multiple different companies, and um, they would already be like, "We we really already love your resume. We don't know how much time you had today, but we would really love to, you know, have you shadow." such and such and just then a third and you're like okay cool and then they would literally take me on site to wherever they are going or whatever it is or tell me about whatever it is and i would learn oh y'all like some telemarketers oh y'all some like (laughs) y'all are like literally going door to door trying to see people's bill to try to like push for them to go green and it'd be it's like y'all have like presented this idea that y'all doing some high level marketing, cool, you know, projects in in this area when y'all really just sales people, just regular sales people trying to get people on cable and all these other things, but y'all dressing it up as this thing. And I hated that. Like it made, it made it, it made my job search even worse. Mm. Cause I'm just like, damn, I can't even believe what I'm, what I'm reading. Can't believe what I'm applying for. If this is a real thing or not, you know? Um, I but think she experienced for, that too in her field. They call them mm, mock interviews. Yeah, somebody told me that they do that out here. I guess they have mock interviews. I don't know if it's for research purposes. 
you're trying to see how much people are charging or mm-hmm. I'm not sure because I keep going into these interviews doing great and seems fine and I don't get the call or and then sometimes they make you they'll say you know we just want to test your skills so I'm a web developer so they'll be like can we give you a uh, a little thing to build you know just to show us you know it's a small thing and one time i swear i built basically it's a it's a one page site and they basically had me do the whole thing and then you know turn it in and they never called me back they didn't even call me to say hey no. are you uh we didn't you know we found somebody else or anything like that but you took my work and used it and now when people ask me for you know anything like that i'm like no i'm not doing that until because some of them now more recently asked ask for that before the interview like no mm-hmm. i'm not giving you free work before i even vet you like and that it's a position, vetting process on both sides yeah that position would still be there later for on. years so i couldn't make sense of it and someone um actually on the first season of podcast was like uh, he's lived here a lot longer, and he was like, they do mock interviews. I'm like, for what? Why are they wasting my time? But it, it's just very and, yeah, We see it as a screening is. process as well, you know, to yeah. a certain degree, yeah. I mean, it, it, it feels it feels like it's, um, I, I don't know why people play like this, but I, I do believe that so much of um, kind of just like corporate, particularly corporate cultures, is breaking down. Like, like it's crazy the um the lessons and the, the the secrets or the reveals that occurred during the pandemic you know in 2020 especially you know to for me the biggest things to realize that there's a button that the government has to send everybody checks that was <laughs> one thing that yeah. really blew my mind because i'm like right. this we had we live in one of the most bureaucratic countries in the world and people didn't have to like go stand in line and fill out a bunch of stuff to get this money it just came yeah. Oh, so y'all could have been doing this. Yeah. That was right. my thought. And then secondly, it was just all the companies, including the one that I used to work for, stating how working remote is way too technical and way too, it, it would take too many resources and do too much and da 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 for that to be something viable for this company. We would hemorrhage money if we were to be away from the office and so on and so forth. But literally had to do that for practically a year yeah and 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 then and yet we were still very functioning probably getting more work done and i believe studies did say that and i think that's why so many companies are pretty much becoming solely remote now Mm -hmm. because you're probably saving more money why do we need to build it yeah we can do this from home you remember how long you had to like uh ask for like how how much you have to prove to get like remote work back in the day it's like you can you can have a whole presentation on why it's a good idea for you to be remote and there was no way you you're getting that and (laughs) now it's like a lot of places treat it as a reward like you basically had to be like this tenured employee Yeah. yeah and 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 basically have maybe very uh the quantity of response the responsibilities that you have are low but the you know the importance is high so it's like yeah that's cool you can you can come in every now and again you can just work from wherever and it's like but this person is like the the vp of sales or the whatever whatever's and it's like they literally only making high level decisions they have so much free time because they 
literally have so many people under them. So they could take long lunches and take meetings with people and just really just smooths all day because that's the role that they play. While this entry level person has to literally grind it out, grind it out. And it shouldn't have, and they should be able to do that in the most comfortable position to me. Because in my mind, it's like, it's kind of hard to be being able to be in your, you know, in your joggers at work, at your desk, um, and just feel comfortable. You can go and run a load of clothes, wash some dishes in between emails, live you, like really yeah. be you instead of you going into an office and handling all those things and putting on this charade for eight hours that you care about this company, that you care about all these different things that you are, that when asked like, what is your future? What did you see your future here? And you got to muster up whatever <laughs> answer. Five-year goal, 10-year goal. For which to me, which to me, I feel like, companies need to like i get why they do it to you know really establish you know who's committed and who's not but at the same time it's like at the end of the day if i choose to stay or leave whatever it is you should still support it you know because it's like you don't own me like i'm not this isn't a, a team to be loyal to i'm gonna every single person in this company from the ceo down is gonna choose better is gonna go towards better opportunities if it's presented to them so let's not act like you know, people aren't leveraging their experience in one place to gain more in another, you know? Why not? Like, oh, okay, I put in two years in this industry now. I can, I, can, I can literally apply for this position somewhere else and make so much more just because I didn't had a few more years in this experience in this particular industry. And I love that for people, but I love that people are standing their grounds and um, saying like, yes, we need either hybrid or remote. You're not about to have me up in this office every day. Cause for what? Yeah. Like yeah. truly for what at this point? And I love it. I love it. And I, and I hope that we, as it's just as everybody just gets to that point to where we're doing that. Cause at this point we can really work from anywhere in the world and be very productive and, um, and just get it done. You know, hope, hope next is like naps, like adult napping. <laughs> hope that becomes like know, the next right? trend. <laughs> we need we need that more than anybody like i don't know why they don't have like nap rooms in places yeah. like, like like the airport you know i yeah. get people to fall asleep and stuff like that and miss flights a lot more but at the same time like we kind of need that though you yeah. know a lot of um some some people jobs don't even have eight hours of work in it so you're there in a building and you're yeah. not even working the whole time which yeah you're working remote and you know i've seen it work two jobs you know exactly i've seen it too and i believe it's i forgot what company it was but i just seen something about there's a company that's te like testing out the four-day work week um mm, yeah and um I, I i'm always i've always been for less work I, i'm literally currently reading um tim ferris's book yeah, the four-hour four, work four week. Hour, yeah and um amazing it's amazing yeah, already it i mean i'm just in i'm just at the beginning but it's like this is the type of mindset changing that people need to get into because it's like are you really optimizing your time and also you haven't been able to do the thing that you really want to do because you've been doing the thing that you don't want to do for so long and that yeah. was kind of a place i got to and it's a, a place that i've had to consistently you know re uh reclaim with myself and remember like you sleep better remember that 
Remember yeah. you had time to to wake up and, and go through your full morning routine and 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 meditate and really know what you feel and really assess your body. All those different things. And I feel like when you're on the hustle and bustle and having to like wake up at the crack of dawn and take care of yourself and then also make sure you're on time for someone else. It then drives you to literally move on somebody else's time instead of your own natural time. And um, it can stress you out. It can stress out your body physically and mentally and emotionally um, because it's like I'm literally going, I'm literally making myself get up, making myself get in my car at a particular time, drive with uh, millions of people on the road (laughs) who are trying to get to a similar destination and then get in there and act cordial with a bunch of people I really can't even stand. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's like you convince yourself and I would have to will, I learned, I learned after a while and I'm really willing myself to into, and just into doing this on a daily basis. And, um, and the only thing that made me stay, I think as long as I did is because the job was so easy to me. I remember like truly being like, uh, and the job was in logistics and, um, I remember truly just being able to like recall loads and recall different uh, scenarios and things that I've asked assistance on and nobody's helping me. And they'd be like, damn, you really know? I was like, yes, this is pretty easy. Like it's a whole lot of click, 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 organize, organization, call to check on this, fulfill this. Yeah. Like the system is pretty efficient if you ask me, but I do believe that there were so many gaps and things we needed to do like if we didn't if we weren't just had to be locked into our seats like this could probably get so much more done some and live more comfortable lives yeah yeah before we close it out um yeah you had anything else um i was gonna say uh tell the listeners a little bit about um life is king and what you do yeah, yeah, I would love to. Um, so, uh, Life is King is a um, is my production company. Uh, my, I guess, my pen name for years has been uh, King, which uh, which I love, and it's really just kind of just giving uh, opportunity and space to be uh, honestly a resource to content creators, to small businesses, to um, just entrepreneurs as a whole. Types of services that I provide are, you know, basically a full digital marketing suite of services from if you need, you know, logo design, a web a website design, if you need to um optimize your SEO and claim your Google, um, claim your Google uh profiles, or just create some type of structure to, you know, for your own overall marketing plan, um, in, including with social media to contact me. Uh, but also in addition to those creatives, get, you know, assisting you with creative production if it's audio visuals or just editing, uh, motion graphics, any of those types of things, I got you. You know, the real popular thing that I've been providing in um, right now as a service is um, social media, uh, <laughs> a lot of social media things. So content creation, people don't, people need somebody to continuously just do the thinking for them. And like, what are you, what is your goals? What are your objectives for this, you know, week or this, this month? Okay, cool. We can take these pictures, do these videos send them to me and I'll, I'll break this down into maybe two to three to four different things, you know? Um, it's kind of the synopsis of what I do. So you can reach me at www.life.king.com. Okay. Yeah. 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 Ye
lifeisking.com, or you can just shoot me an email at create at lifeisking.com to um, get the conversation going. Um, but all of my services are on my site and our podcast as well is easily uh, can be found online as well sim- at Simply King Podcast. And I love the way that you said it too. The, you know, my, my tagline. I love, I, I love, like it. I, 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 I really, I rarely hear anyone else say it. Like I'm always <laughs> the one saying it. So I'm like, mm, wow, that sounds real good. <laughs> that sounds real good. But I mean, yes, yes. The, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can find me everywhere, um, at Life is King, um, and then um, find the the business everywhere at Life is King. You can find my personal page at uh, at Kings underscore Memoirs on Instagram and all the other pages as well. Okay, we always invite you know our guests to if you're ever in LA, definitely mm-hmm. let us know and come in for yeah in studio you know. I would love to. I would love to. Yeah, I, I would love to. I got. I got a really, a really good friend who's from LA, who's from, um, who's from South Central. Who, uh, he's he's a great. He was a great host when I came to LA too. Okay. Um, yeah, well, yeah. It was we'll pre, pre-pandemic. Well. Yeah, you say what? <laughs> I said we can try to be as well. <laughs> oh no, I bet y'all are. I bet y'all are. Especially you know, LA is a good time. So I get it. I get. I get how people, you know, settle yeah. down and get roots. You know, and make it make sense when you find what makes sense for you in a place like that for sure i get it are you a swimmer um i can swim <laughs> am i a swimmer that yeah. feels that feels that feels like asking me if i'm like an olympian or something well uh-huh. i can swim i can oh. swim to save my life for sure okay yeah you're just yeah, doing a yeah. random survey yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but more yeah we, yeah yeah but no i definitely i definitely keep that in mind and um i would love to love to connect in, uh, in person too Definitely, definitely. Not. We've definitely enjoyed the conversation. Yeah. I feel like it was a lot of stuff we probably were supposed to ask that we didn't get around to, but we just kind of flowed with it pretty good. It's all good. I love stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and for the podcast, you can find us at AmericanGypsy.com. And um, we have merch at LuamLee.com. And, and for those who... Um, like a little vibe you can check out some music at classic well under classic carpenter artist name um on spotify itunes um title and other you know youtube other platforms as well and the spelling on that is k-l-a-c-c-i-k carpenter c-a-r-p-e-n-t-a and we'll also have links to everything um in the description below yep thank you again rodney for your Thank time you. and consideration. And I appreciate you. We definitely, you know, send positive energy to Chicago with your business and everything. And, you know, we'll be in touch as well. For sure. Thank you to everyone listening. Thank you. Thank you for supporting and consistent self-improvement to everyone. And we'll see you again. Peace. Or next time. Peace. <laughs>